You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Welcome today to Go Doc Yourself. I am Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. And this week, we're going to talk about Tickled. This documentary came out in 2016, and it's about an hour and a half long. So, good length. It was done by David Ferrier and Dylan Reeve. If you're not familiar with David Ferrier, I suggest you stop right now and go look him up. He's amazing. (laughs) He's a journalist from New Zealand who does weird and strange articles. Like, um, he also did a documentary show on Netflix. Yep. Dark Tourist. Thank you. And I loved it. I loved every episode. I think he should be friend of the pod, don't you think? Like, he's oh. going to be our new best friend because he's extremely polite and he doesn't take any shit from anybody. But the way he goes about it, it's just like, hello, how are you? And then I will not comply with your demand. And I'm just going to stand here and look adorable. That's basically just, his whole thing. Right. He's going to make you feel bad about not doing what he wants you to do. I love him so much. So, I do too. And I will say that I also love Dylan Marie. I'm just not as familiar with him except for from this documentary, but he also seems lovely and delightful. Yeah, he's the camera guy. Mm-hmm. And, and David David is the uh, the on-camera talent, let's say it that way. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. David refers to Dylan as his geeky friend, which I love because I am often the geeky friend. So I get it. Different kind of geek. I don't... We don't know. I mean, maybe you guys are the same kind of geek. He might have a deep love of cults too. We just don't know about it yet. But mm-hmm. when we all get to be like besties and we go and travel to New Zealand and we're like drinking, eating, whatever, doing whatever they do, uh, mm-hmm. then we can find out about all our little idiosyncrasies that all match up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's our next girl trip. Okay. So this on the surface, like if you read the blurb about the documentary, it seems, okay, it seems odd just from the beginning, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're going to talk about competitive endurance tickling, but that's really just the surface, right? So. Yeah. As David was doing some research, as you do as a journalist, mm-hmm. he ran into a video about competitive endurance tickling, and he had questions, as do I. So he wrote to Jane O'Brien Media, who runs this sport, I mm-hmm. use that term lightly, saying, hey, I would love to come see a shoot. I would love to interview about this because, you know, it's weird, and I do weird things. Yeah, this is I sort did. of my jam. Right. They write back, I say they, it was someone who named themselves Debbie J. Kuhn, Mm -hmm. wrote back and said, no, you can't have anything to do with this. You can't interview us. You can't talk about it because you're openly gay. And this is straight heterosexual activities. Mm -hmm. And then they show you the video and you're like, oh no, that's fruity as fuck. I do not (laughs) buy this. It's... All men, young men, wearing kind of athletic gear, which cracks me up. Like, like matchy, teeny, yes. Yes. And so, you know, one person is being held down. Like, their their ankles and their wrists are bound. Mm -hmm. And then other people will tickle them, sitting on them sometimes or whatever. That gives me anxiety because I'm claustrophobic. So the whole (laughs) thing gives me a lot of anxiety to watch. But Mm -hmm. also... I have many, my questions are this, if it's a sport, what are the rules? What do you win? How do you win? Right. If you're tied down, it's not like you can get away. Is there a safe word? Is there a, I don't know. I don't have, is there a trophy? 
Does someone get a trophy? Well, there's no spectators. There's no, this isn't right. in, in an arena of any kind. It's just right. a blank, sterile room with like a mattress or a pad on the floor and the shackles, if you will. These are like straight up some shit you'd see in some kind of BDSM situation. Right. Um, it is straight fetish. Oh, video, yeah. Which is yeah. fine. If that's what you dig, mm-hmm. go for it, man. As long as everyone is consenting. It's very weird to watch, too, because they are closed. And there's laughter, which implies we're having fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's also like struggling, which implies I want out of this. So you're very conflicted. At least I was as a viewer. But yeah, it was, it's odd to watch it. So you kind of struggle with that the whole time. At least I did. Cause I'm like, um, I, I'm glad they're paid well. That's, that's what I got out of it. I hope they're paid well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. There's nothing horrible about it. There's nothing like. Mm -hmm. It's not going to go on Pornhub. It's I mean, not it gratuitous. Be, yeah. You know, it's not graphic, but it's like, this is fucked. Yeah. So the letter that sent is just really high schoolish too, which is interesting. Like had Debbie sent a letter saying, listen, I appreciate your interest in our sport. Mm-hmm. However, at this time, we're unwilling to take any interviews or move forward. We'll keep you posted or something right. professional, even mm-hmm. a little bit professional. But mm-hmm. it was so high schooly. Like she called him names. Who does that? I don't know. It's it's one of those too much protesting moments because not only mm. does he get the first response, it's constant responses after right. that. Right. Call them, you know, the F slur, you know, just anything. Call them but like, everything but white, essentially. Yeah, which basically. He is, so, yeah. But yeah, you're just like, wait a second. And so I think that's really what triggers this whole thing because he's like, what's what's really going on here? You mm-hmm. know, like my, my journalistic spidey sense have been activated, if you mm-hmm. will. And now I must know more. Right. He's curious about why such a strong reaction to a very simple request for an interview or, mm-hmm. or you know, something. Um, so he kind of goes down a tickling wormhole, which I can only imagine. Listen, if you're a journalist, your search queries must be amazing. And do you think anything's off the table? Like where I work, there are some that they're going to be like, whoa, whoa. Let's not look at that at work. Yeah. I mean, even as a person that like last night I was asking questions of the Googles about competitive endurance tickling. Oh. It wasn't that. It was about shoeing horses because I'm like, how does that work in the wild? That's a weird search. But I saw a video on the Facebooks mm-hmm. and I was like, hmm, I want to know more. So I, I assume that my weird search history is probably a tenth of the crackhead style searches that he's probably got going on there. So right. if he's doing his job, I hope he ends up on some kind of list. Uh, the government is watching right yeah so I will say that I have also gone down the horseshoe wormhole because you watch a farrier I think that's a name right yeah that's Um, why I was like "Mm -hmm." when they do it and it's amazing to me to watch it and then I I too was like well what happens in the wild and like well they just naturally wear down if they're in the wild I'm like oh okay well I'm like is it a toenail is it better than a paw? What is, does it hurt them? Um, I know. So yeah. So it's like, yeah, they don't love it, but they don't, you know, fight it after a while. They're like, Ugh, just please be done with my sweet baby foot here. And mm-hmm. you know, we'll move on. I assume they put some kind of treats out in front of them because that's how you get at least my dog to do anything. He's like, Ooh, um, is that a milk bone? And then I can, you know, do a nail or check a, yeah. you know, if you've got a scrape or something. Let's be honest. I'm pretty sure it's how my boss gets me to work as well. I mean, I can be bought for Here's a treat. A little. Yeah. Here's a treat. I need you to do a presentation, please. <laughs> okay. Which sounds great until you have to do it and you're like, oh, shit. I don't know anything. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So we're back to a tickling wormhole. <laughs> he decides him and his friend Dylan, they're going to do a documentary. Right? They've made that decision. And they immediately get a letter from a lawyer, Romeo Salto. Now, this is apparently Jane O'Brien's lawyer, and they send the cease and desist. We want no part of this. We want you to not do this. Now, let's put something in perspective. Romeo Salto, at that point, had just finished a case about a porn star, a male porn star in Canada who had murdered someone, dismembered them, and send the, sent the body parts to politicians. So he's yeah. all about the crazy. Seems like a high profile. Do you think he was sitting yeah. there like how my career is going could I weather this storm like is it going to bring me fame or ruin not really sure but I mean uh, to go from dismembered body parts to tickling it seems like you're lowering your standards a little bit but you never know <laughs> you never yeah. know how it's mm-hmm. going to turn out one seems slightly more permanent than the other um, true we don't know the uh, the deets of that other case maybe we'll have to find that out oh my god it sounds crazy right <laughs> yes So like you said, they're getting bombarded with these emails. And eventually, Jane O'Brien sends down three representatives to New Zealand. Now, Jane O'Brien is, I think, headquartered in the U.S. because most Mm -hmm. of the stuff is coming from the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. And the three representatives are just rando guys that happen to work for the company. Mm -hmm. There's an old guy named Clevin. Clevin. Clevin Clark. (laughs) Kevin Clark, who is straight up batshit crazy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There's a kid named Adam who looks a lot like a meth head. And then there's a, a relatively normal guy named Mark, Marco. Mm-hmm. So the only information that David has is the day that they're going to arrive. And so he stands at the airport all day with this beautiful sign that's like, welcome, Jane O'Brien representatives. He made mm-hmm. it. It's it's rainbow. It's bright. It's beautiful. It really is fun. Right. And they come out and immediately, like, Marco's like, this is great. Thanks so much for meeting us. It's an amazing sign. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Very welcoming, like lots of handshakes and how was your flight yeah, and very yeah. cordial. A lot mm-hmm. of, um, Until. yeah, just kind of, well, yeah. And then they kind of key into the fact that they're being filmed and Kevin just loses his shit immediately. I can't believe you would do this. And David Ferrier is like, well, in New Zealand, we're allowed to film in public spaces. So again, mm-hmm. just kind of relaying that information. There's no apologizing and they just keep rolling as they should. Adam is not a giant fan. Kevin is just beside himself. The overreaction you would expect from, I don't know, any crazy divorcee, like that's sort of the <laughs> vibe that he gives. Like, yeah. oh my God. And then he just stomps off. So mm-hmm. is that a control? Well- And also, I doubt it was someone, I I doubt Dylan was sitting there with a camera phone, right? They probably had a professional camera there several times we see their equipment. And it's a full-size professional camera with a Mm -hmm. boom and shit. So it's not like they were sneaky about it. (laughs) They were right there. It's like gorilla taping, if you will. Um, (laughs) He was in a bush costume or something. (laughs) A deer blind. (laughs) (sighs) Something. It's just crazy. So... That started off well, ended not so well, but Mm -hmm. they still have, they have an appointment, so they're going to go meet. They decide they don't want any cameras in there, but he does, he being David, takes in um, like a recorder, so records Mm -hmm. the conversations at least. And what was really interesting to me is, you know, they're very much like, oh, you know, you really don't want to pursue this. These guys have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's just not worth it. They're just really trying to deter them. Almost like 
we're your best friends, right? Like, listen right. to us. We've been down this road before. Um, Speaking of your needs. It's just not worth it for your mm-hmm. time and stress and all this kind of stuff because they have so much money and you, tiny peon, will not be able to survive Mm-mm. the onslaught that you've brought upon yourself by your questions and your regular gayness. <laughs> How dare you be gay? Right. And at one point, I don't even know what triggered it. I don't even know what was said to trigger Kevin, but he like freaks out and he's like you started all this you guys mocked us you attacked us at the airport you started all of this and I'm like yeah attacked what world do you live in where someone was standing there with a welcome sign and that's attacking you I think yeah though it speaks very much about kind of the dynamics of this whole thing there's so much overreaction over the smallest of triggers so you kind of get the impression that this is what's worked for them in the past is scare tactics and Mm -hmm general threatening behavior it's sort of vague threats though in my opinion it's like we will ruin you mm-hmm. okay don't ask us um, how. just trust us we will yeah just like don't worry your pretty little mutton head about the details but yeah it's just like it's coming and you'll rue the day I mean that's it's just very <laughs> out there yeah yes so after this whole debacle meeting Kevin actually asked to meet David separately like he's almost mm-hmm. trying to divide and conquer between David and Dylan yes. right yep. um, it's kind of it's kind of like police tactics well you know if Dylan wants to go forward with it David you have a great career you really shouldn't do this and ruin your career mm-hmm. Boy, um, Dylan, he just doesn't know he doesn't know what's coming no his family yeah so again the good cop bad cop that's a funny approach yeah but you're right yeah and my, my favorite part about that whole interaction was the fact that to film it, David made like a rough, dirty coffee cup camera. So you got a lot of awesome crotch shots. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Just focus right on that wiener. Uh, then they finally <laughs> shifted to like shadows, which I'm like, but Thank they you. had to have the audio. So I think in the future, David, listen to me. I'm your friend. <laughs> In the future, maybe just put a picture of a koala or something and have the audio <laughs> over it. That would make me so much happier. Or whatever is a traditional New Zealand animal. I don't know if koalas are only in Australia. I don't know. I mean, the kiwi is their state bird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so after all of that, these people fly down there first class. So clearly this company does have money. Mm-hmm. God, that must have been expensive. David and Dylan decide they're going to go to America. They're going to come to America. They think they have an idea of where the next or a soon-to-be tickle shoot is going on. So they want to have a look-see for themselves. Try to get in there. Yeah, yeah. They've ruined a laptop or two with these searches because now it's just full of (laughs) spyware and shit like that. Because you know that's what happens when you go down these rabbit holes. It's just like you're one click away from some kind of malware meltdown. Yeah. Yes. So they get to, to America. And, uh, you know, try contacting some of these tickle peeps. And as you can imagine, a lot of people are not real keen to come forward. Mm -hmm. They're uh, worried about their reputation. Also, because Jane O'Brien Media has obviously threatened them in the past, probably. Or Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that's part of their contract. Just straight threats and shit. Mm -hmm. It seems like they've tried to contact several people who have appeared in these videos. And Mm -hmm. they must be searchable. When they finally come across one that is willing to rap about what happened to him. And that's our good friend, TJ. I know. He should also be a friend of the podcast. He seems like he's seen a thing or two. Or 12. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he discussed that he 
he did it when he was desperate for money. His family was having problems. There was some illness in the family, which mm-hmm. leads to a lot of bills, as we all know, because we live in the best country ever. And he said they paid about two grand a shoot. Uh, yeah, I would totally have done it too. Well, I mean, like I said, though, when you see these videos, it's not overtly sexual. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. But I think we're kind of taught that porn is taking your clothes off and like whatever. And this is not exactly what that is. So I can understand how a young person would be like, eh, it's not that bad. And then you get into it after a while and you're like, oh, okay, now I feel dirty and I just want to be done with this. Yeah. Um, it's almost similar to women who try to make ends meet, especially in like Hollywood and the entertainment industry and end up in photo shoots that are naked or, or stuff like that. Nothing wrong with it, but then they feel like it's used against them later if they actually do move forward with their lives. So Yes, it's, it's similar. Doesn't matter how tastefully done, um, mm-hmm. it might come back to bite you, which is a real shame. Yeah, let people mm-hmm. be. Let them live their life. But yeah, they were, you know, he had done these videos and he kind of moved on from them. And then all of a sudden he finds this video on YouTube, mm-hmm. one of his videos on YouTube. And he's like, he emailed Jane O'Brien because I think these were meant to be like for a private collection. They yes. kind of always advertise it as such, right? This is mm-hmm. for a private collection. And then, so he emails Jane O'Brien company and they're like, nothing, silence, they right. say nothing. Mm-hmm. So he emails YouTube and says, hey, you're using my image without my permission. And they take it right. down. Yeah. Good for them. Responsive. Nice. Mm-hmm. However, the Jane O'Brien media company did not like that at all. And they immediately started emailing him threats. They emailed his employer at the time. He worked at a right. high school as like a coach and they emailed the employer saying, do you want this person? I have information. They're obviously homosexual. They've done these videos. Right. Perverted, twisted. Yeah. And it's really sad because they threatened his family. And they it's... put all of his personal information on a website. So yep. it's out there for the world. Yep. Which so, should be legal. Yes. And they, he kind of talks a little bit too about when he did this, he didn't realize that he was going to be tied down. He didn't realize that this is, well, they tried to sell it to him too as a torture. It was like a torture project um, right. that they were trying to set up for the military. And he's like, oh, right. You know, so I think that was sort of <laughs> sure, sure. the end. Yeah. You know, he's like, all right, this, even the fucking money is not worth it at this point, you sick bucks. So right. Right. he was a um, cool dude, though. He was. And he looked, I mean, they showed videos of him. Clearly he's a talented football player. Yeah. They showed videos of him trying out and he looked amazing. I mean, yeah. I'm not a sports aficionado by any means, but he looked like he could play really, really well. But, you know, teams wouldn't take him on because of that background and that drama involved. And it had nothing to do with them. Not, they didn't really care about that as much as it would bring a lot of drama to the team. Mm-hmm. That they yeah. Want. It's bringing heat to the, to the organization. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've seen that in other situations that they were like, eh, it's just not worth it for us. So, so go ahead. Tickle shoot, tickle shoot location. They're able to find that kind of they an industrial. Yeah. Which is the best kind of an industrial building. They have like kind of a gauzy fabric over the windows of what looks like a serial killer van. I mean, more windows on around the sides, not just like the front and the back. Mm-hmm. So they're in there with their cameras And I think my favorite part is, you know, they kind of watch the cars come in and they start to see some familiar faces get out of those Mm -hmm. cars and walk on in there. Who do they see? I have that they see Marco, who Mm -hmm. looks like everybody's dad and old gross Kevin. Mm -hmm. And Adam. Yes. Adam on the scene. Yep. Adam's on the scene as well with a lot of strapping young men who might fit the bill for the common cast of characters in these videos. Mm -hmm. And they can hear tickling. 
coming like the out sound of the of building. Laughter. Yeah. Oh, Can you imagine so, walking by and hearing that? I would. I think I'd be really creeped out by that. Like out of context. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's so creepy. They kind of the echoey laughter sound. Like I'm like, is there a fucking clown about to like hop out around this building and kill me? Um, that's what, that's I what it. If I was just a passerby, um, mm-hmm. I'd be like exit stage left yeah. yeah where's Pennywise let's get out oh so gross Mm-mm. so they do take the chance once everyone's inside and they're doing the tickle shoot so they get the camera again not a camera phone a full-size camera and they go up to the door which is propped open with the fan mm-hmm. so I'm guessing it's hot now they can't afford air conditioning <laughs> they can afford lawyers and first class tickets but not air conditioning we mm-hmm. all have our limits and they just stand there and he's essentially like hey guys you know you remember me we are doing this documentary and I just wanted to give you one more chance to comment. Mm-hmm. What do you want to say? Can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. And they're immediately like, no, you're not welcome. Get the fuck out. And they shut the door. Right. We're going to call the five O. And he was like, all right. Again, the most polite. Hey guys. I mean, it's so genuine that he's <laughs> hey like, what's up? what's up besties? And they're like, the fuck, you know? And so it diffuses really easily. So they hop back in the car and the creepy van. And kind of the next move is they change some tactics and they jaunt off to Orlando to talk to someone else who makes some tickling videos. Yeah, but he makes them on the up and up, right? So right, he goes into it like, this is a fetish thing. I mm-hmm. like it. I find other people also like it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make videos for these people and the people involved all know what is this is all about. Yeah, they all know what the score is. So the mm-hmm. talent knows. He runs a website called My Friend's Feet, which is niche maybe not listen it's huge i don't know it's combining multiple fetishes at that point you got a foot fetish you got a tickle fetish everyone's happy well those two people are happy do you feel like maybe in orlando the men take better care of their feet because i have seen some busted ass dude feet you know maybe the talent that's part of the requirement they have to have nice feet yeah like or a, get a pedicure a, before coming yeah, exactly Mm-mm. anyway this gentleman's name is richard ivy Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about having started his website with the help of a buddy who financed it in the 90s. And he was just out of grad school, started this website, and within a year, he was able to let go of whatever his profession was, and he did this full-time. So he's got a pretty sweet pad. You get like that, there's like a, not a mini episode of Cribs, but you know, they're shooting on location at his digs, and they're pretty sweet. And well, but then, that's not his house, right? That's just where they shoot. So well, that's like a second location. Yeah, so there's a second location, but they have some camera equipment set up. There's mm-hmm. a real creepy chair. Not a creepy chair, but it's like a dentist chair, but it's got a rig at the bottom for... Think of the stocks back in olden times that yep. shut and shut on your feet. And then that's where the video that they show mm-hmm. in this docu- uh, documentary is shot. I'm sorry. What kind of movie is this, Erin? A documentary. <laughs> okay. Documentary. Documentary. Oh, Jesus. Someone just rang my goddamn doorbell. And so my dogs are going to bark. We'll try to do this. Okay. okay. So Richard Ivey discusses, you know, one. there are a couple things. One, he discusses it like a BDSM fetish. And I appreciate that because I think mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with control, yep. much like BDSM. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. I really understand how someone doing the tickling could be turned on by the power. Right. Mm -hmm. I get that. I will never understand how the person being tickled 
is getting off. And I'm not sure. Surely there is someone out there who gets off on that. But thus far, it seems like the majority of the people want to be the one in the power role, at least yeah. in this video. Yeah, they don't really discuss it from the other side. There's a lot of talk about what the people who are in the videos get, like what they're paid or kind of how they're compensated. And it seems mm -hmm. like a pretty good deal. I mean, it's used against them later, which implies that it's not mm -hmm. at least the Jane O'Brien ones. Richard Ivey mm -hmm. seems to be a pretty cool cat. They talk to the guy that they make the video with in the documentary. And he's like, yeah, this is um, something I want to try. I'm a bit of a risk taker and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So that part of it seems all right. But yeah, the motivation of the tickle E, if you will, I will. Uh, remains a mystery. They show a video of that Richard Ivey actually creates for content for his website mm -hmm. with a guy who is well aware of everything, knows yep. he's going to be on this website, mm -hmm. knows the documentary people are filming. Yep. And I will say, one, it looked like a great workout for the gentleman being tickled. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of flexing of muscles trying to get away. Yeah. Fuck um, yeah, it was. <laughs> right? And when it's done... He's like, how do you feel? And the gentleman being tickled was like, tired. <laughs> I bet I'm tired just watching. Yeah. And David watched this whole thing. And the look on his face, he was so uncomfortable. <laughs> He's like, okay, I appreciate this, but not my jam. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a non-judgmental dude. Mm -hmm. But it feels intimate to watch somebody do this to another human being. Now, this was the one where... There was a little bit of nipple play. So I was like really happy that I had made the choice to watch this with my mom. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> she was horrified. But she handled it real well because she's a classy broad. But yeah. anyway, I was like, oh, note to self, maybe maybe not so much of the, the fetish documentaries when mom's here for Christmas. So yeah. Probably best. Probably best. But I mean, that, that just goes to prove that they're showing that this is meant to be a sexual video although they have clothes on mm -hmm. no one is naked there's no actual sex involved but it's meant to be used in that manner mm -hmm. so there's nothing hidden and I appreciate yeah. that yep I will also say that Richard Ivey although maybe not at the beginning of the documentary at least at the end is listed as a producer so he's one of the producers of the documentary so maybe once they met him he was like I get on board with that I like to think that I mean he's some of his information of is brought in how he got started in this. He talks about somebody named Terry DeSisto. Tickle Terry, if you're fun and crazy. Mm -hmm. But there are ads and videos cropping up in the mid-90s on dial-up is in my head. But hey, you know, the well. graphics and shit like that are really old and that's so fun to me. Kind of well. talks about who this person was and maybe they were the first, the entrepreneur, the kind of creator of some of this, at least the first person who was out there with some of this video mm -hmm. madness. Right. They show a picture of <laughs> Terry Sickle. And what's immediately apparent to anyone who lived in the 80s and 90s is that this picture is at least a decade old because this was like late 90s. And this picture was clearly taken in the late 80s, early 90s. She's got mm -hmm. big hair, very 80s rock and roll kind of, lots of hairspray. <laughs> It's like a glamour shot, right? Like it's lit from behind. She's got like a shoulder peeking out or some shit like that. Yeah. I mean, yes. because of a senior picture. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even when I saw that, I was like, no, nah, this is a dude. Right. Absolutely. This is not a woman who wants these videos for her private collection. No. And the best part is that everyone believes it. Everyone believes that this woman 
in this picture is who is funding all of these tickle torture videos, which is what David Starr calls them later. Mm-hmm. David Starr is brought in to get talent, right? He's essentially a talent agent for Terry Tickle for a while. And he called Terry an extreme dominatrix that she wanted tickle torture films. Mm-hmm. Not like a little bit of tickling with a feather. It was essentially tickle torture. Well, there's a formula to these, right? Like it's always mm-hmm. young men. It's always, they're tied down. It seems like the video quality goes from like, I don't know, super amateur to kind of professional at the end. Cause the background is no longer your mom's basement. It's like, you know, like there's right. a studio somewhere. Right. It's so sterile. It's just walls. Mm-hmm. But I think that's really funny to say, like, you can see the evolution of this. And again, I think who looks and it's like, yep, this is legit. Right. I don't know. It's interesting to me that all the videos, like you said, are very formulaic, very mm-hmm. much the same, just different characters playing yeah. the parts. Yeah. And that's generally because he makes it sound like an addiction. Like he mm-hmm. has to get this many videos. He has to center the videos. They're doing a lot of them are tryout videos where they're just auditioning people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if she doesn't get her fix, then she starts, you know, threatening everyone. Mm-hmm. But most addictions evolve. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, they become I more, I mean, whether it's drug, whether it's sex and porn, whether it's a serial killer, it becomes more. And yeah. these kind of stay the same throughout, which yep. is interesting to me. So you have to wonder how much of it really is about tickling at all, right? Yeah. So there are some where it starts off with one tickler and then there are more ticklers added. So mm-hmm. I mean, that could be one form of it. But again, it's it's very much at least what they show, right? There could be more shit that they don't show. Right. But it's the same. it's the same bag over and over again, like somebody's tied down. Somebody mm-hmm. tickles their armpits. Somebody maybe tickles like uh, right at your, uh, like the line where your shorts and your shirt meet, whatever, mm-hmm. in the midriff, if you will. Called um, waist. There you go, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make it more complicated than it is. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird that it's not like, I don't know, mask people with feathers at the end. You know what I mean? It doesn't really evolve well, to anything. You would almost think it would almost, yeah, right. evolve to more extreme kind of torture if it started off like this it almost seems like it would evolve to that Mm -hmm. further I'm glad it hasn't I don't want anyone getting hurt but it just seems like that's where it's going yeah Um, or should be evolving to maybe I don't know either way like I said they were supposed to be audition videos or tryout videos Mm -hmm. and these videos get released on the internet and that's when people get pissed Mm -hmm. and so David Starr stopped sending videos, stopped giving her any videos mm-hmm. and stopped getting any talent for it because she didn't abide by her end of the bargain. Yeah. She had wanted people from 18 to 23. So this is right on the line of what's probably legal anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's another kind of aspect I think David Starr was concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do, in the documentary, talk to someone who is shielded. Right. They, they're talking in the dark. Their voice is kind of shielded. And mm-hmm. he goes by the name Adler. But he was a former participant in some of the Terry Tickle videos. And once it was released, he was terrified because he came from a very conservative family who were all Republicans. And I think mm-hmm. it's adorable. He doesn't realize that that's his main 
That's his fan base. (laughs) Yeah. That's the demographic they're targeting, sir. Yeah. But yeah, he worked at a bank and he, you know, his life could have been ruined, Mm -hmm. but he got threats from Terry. It just. Yeah. It devolves really quickly. Right. It's just like you're out and instantly you've provoked Terry's ire and she just shifts all over you. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. who you are. It doesn't matter what your agreement with her is. Like you've removed yourself from the situation and now you're just fucked. Yeah. You don't take that supply away without getting, you Mm -hmm. know, hurt in the process. Mm -hmm. When David Starr decides Mm -hmm. to close down any submissions, he starts getting nonstop phone calls. He says she used a phone blaster, which again, sounds like a different fetish, but um, (laughs) it would like call nonstop and leave these horrible messages to not just him, but like family members or anyone involved saying, oh, you are a known associate of David Starr. He is known to do homosexual porn and blah, blah, blah. And you're horrible and he's horrible and have a good day. Like it was recorded. In this like vaguely British accent. So I guess maybe they thought you're going to be confused because it's still a little bit classy. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like the phrase that stuck with me is he's hairy, horny, and hook nose. So you're like, oh man, now they're bringing racism into it too. Because like, well, I don't know. Yeah. That was not great. Yeah. But he got tons of postcards and letters and cards and they sent him to his mother and these are poems that are written inside just telling him how horrible he is to his mother telling her don't you wish david was the one who died and not your other, your other son. son yeah i have the phrase abusive male but the time and effort that it took to come up with rhymes and type all that shit in like a perfectly lovely greeting card is just next level horrible this is a full-time job. It had to be a full-time job yeah. to just mail all this stuff. And the cost, because some of that looked like registered mail. It wasn't mm-hmm. like just a stamp that was maybe a, a quarter back in the day. But even if it was a quarter, that's a lot of time and money invested just to try to make someone feel like shit. And my favorite is that David starts like, listen, I have already done porn and uh, no one gave a shit. My life is fine. You're fine. And his mom just kind of quit opening the mail, just gave mm-hmm. it to him. So he wasn't as affected by it as other people. Yeah, it kind of lost its sting in that way, right? Like it was prolific. There was a shit ton of it. And it's more than just, you know, somebody writing slut in your front door with spray paint. You know what I mean? Like that feels very reactive, but this was sustained. So I'm, I'm glad that even though you could tell that he was affected by it, I don't think he showed her that. I don't think the Terry connection really got that he just was silent Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they weren't really used to that or at least didn't I don't know give it away that way I don't know and you have to think how much after all the threats and that how much do they see in this day and age well in that day and age if you will Mm -hmm. you're not going to see that immediate gratification of someone going down right you just have to assume the effect it's going to have on them Mm -hmm. and so they still got the gratification of assuming that this person feels like shit for getting all of this Mm -hmm. right in this day and age if you send me something and i'm on a video and i'm watching it and you can see my immediate reaction where i cry you get that but you might not otherwise and back then you certainly didn't he did save some of the letters and show them to David Barrier. And to see them, it was just amazing to me. That one that you would save that mm-hmm. and not just burn it all. But yeah, that to read it even, David Ferrier was like, holy shit, man. That's crazy. I also think this must have been going on for more than one person at a time, right? So this mm-hmm. seems to be kind of a revolving door of people that are being brought in and then eventually like 
decide they want to bug out. And so I wonder how many people that this was happening to at once, because what's happening to David Starr is pretty fantastic in the worst way, but he wasn't the only one mm-hmm. at, at one time. And I, I'm just like, man, the organizational skills or logistical skills of whoever was doing this right. is, is horribly impressive. Listen, they should be a project manager because <laughs> I can't even imagine that's the organizational yes. skills it takes. And if I saw that on someone's resume, I might hire them on the spot. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> was able to it's stalk possible. and intimidate multiple people at one time. <laughs> well done, sir. Right. We meet a gentleman called Hal Carp. Imagine George Costanza. That's what this gentleman looks like and kind of sounds like, right? In a diner. And I'm yes. like, is that on purpose? I know, right? But he was a journalist who had um, researched Terry DeSisto, Terry Tickle, if you will, for mm-hmm. about a year in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. She had a very well-known playbook to him by the time he was done, right? Yes. She would find young men, some of which seemed to be borderline underage, like 17, yep. 18. I think some might have found out to 16 even. And she would send them money or gifts or what, whatever you want is that age. Do you want tickets to the newest show? Do you want this money? And they'd be like, yeah, whatever. And the next yep. day that money would show up in a package. Yes. And so just an online chance, online encounter, right? Are you mm-hmm. looking for, you know, and I'll send you a thousand dollars. And this was even before initial contact for these videos. This was sort mm-hmm. of the grooming, if you will, to, mm-hmm. to do this. So, yeah. And imagine this is also before like Venmo, right? So they <laughs> actually had to put cash in an envelope, fucking send it overnight mm-hmm. and hope that it got there and no one took it. It's pretty bold. Yeah, I hope Tickle Terry lives next door to a post office. Maybe they walked. Maybe this was their exercise was going to drop shit off at the mail to ruin someone's life. I mean. Right. Get that heart rate pumping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because Hal had discussed how, you know, even even young boys or young kids at some point decide they have everything they need, right? I don't need any more money. I don't need any more stuff. I have everything mm-hmm. I need and it's no longer worth it. Yeah. There's some kind of threshold that almost everybody hits, right? So mm-hmm. whatever they're doing, whatever Terry is doing to play that out, to make it as long as possible, that everybody eventually comes to the same, like, eh, I'm over it. And then I wrote, the vicious revenge begins. And that's from Hal Carp that he's saying, like, mm-hmm. it again was extremely formulaic that Terry was out to ruin these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was another journalist, Deborah mm-hmm. Skoblianikov. Skoblianikov. I don't know. Something like that. I'm glad um, you tried it because I was terrified. I, I'm sure I slaughtered it. And I'm sorry, <laughs> Deborah. She was also a journalist and she wrote an article about Terry Tickle and she kind of describes some of the revenge that these boys got like mm-hmm. they would like Terry would hack into computer systems at the college, bring their, their systems down and then make it look like one of these boys had done it. Had, was and responsible. Like a, yeah. And like trying to mm-hmm. hack into what was it? Government websites and that, and that becomes a federal crime. So you have federal agents showing up at your door. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, yeah. I kind of want to know what the deal is, but she, um, mentions Drexler University, which is a big school. And I mean, there may not, I mean, yeah. So this person was extremely able to work within those systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like potentially life altering consequences more than just like emailing your mom or whatever, which is bad enough, right. but this is right. like the kind of shit you don't recover from. Right. Possibly getting you kicked out of school, getting you arrested, getting 
I just, I can't imagine. And especially in the day and age of the internet, this was early internet days, right? So Mm -hmm. people didn't quite understand so much the ramifications of putting stuff on the internet that it's there forever. The permanence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So thankfully Mm -hmm. people now have a better idea of that. And they still seem to get surprised when it comes back up later, but you know, whatever. Right. But you have to think it was before that. So doing the initial videos, they probably didn't think much of it. And now it's having permanent consequences on their lives just for no longer doing the videos, not even doing the initial videos, but no longer doing them. Mm-hmm. So it, it worked though. It kept people from talking. It kept people very hesitant to go against her. So it was effective. Yeah, it was until one of these kids reaches out on the internet and is like, dear God, help someone right. help me. This is mm-hmm. what's going on. And someone on the interwebs happens to get information from Terry's hard drive life somewhere. I am not a computer person. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But they send this file of information to one of the the kid that requested the help and said, listen, send this file to Terry. She'll leave you alone. Mm -hmm. So they look at the file. He also sends the file to Hal Carp, who's the journalist, Mm -hmm. George Costanza. And everything is in there. Like there are documents with the real identity of Terry DeSisto, Mm -hmm. who is David D'Amato. Yep. And I love everyone. Everyone is like shocked, shocked that this is a man doing this. Right. And I'm like, (laughs) duh. Especially Um, when they showed the picture of him. I'm like, there it is. Right. He looks like, I don't know the most bland of pervs, you know what I mean? Just like, oh, all right. He's never had a consensual relationship in his life <laughs> is what it looks like. I'm just saying. Like, he's never going to move out of his mom's basement. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. And if he does, it's not on his own dime. <laughs> but yeah, so all this information is in there. There are records of payments. There's records of illegal activity, records of mm-hmm. how he stole identities to become mm-hmm. Terry DeSisto and things like that, which yeah. is a federal crime. So Hal sends all this to the FBI. Okay, look at all of this. We have underage boys being taped illegally. We have Mm -hmm. identity theft. We have all these horrible things. Mm -hmm. Right? And if you're everything. I mean everything. Yeah. And the FBI is like, sure, thanks. Mm -hmm. And they look at it and they actually arrest him like pretty quickly, right? Yeah, because you kind of you this was an example of the FBI doing the right thing. They moved, what do you say, within 10 days or something like that. Yeah, it was pretty quick within yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm surprised anyone actually had time to look at it within that time. So honestly, right, you put it in a pile. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know how how concerned they were with cyber crimes at that time. Like, was that a new burgeoning field? I mean, how long does it take the humankind to totally fuck something up um, not and make it some kind of criminal element to it? Yeah, yeah. not long. Like yeah. days after the invention of <laughs> Yeah. Days. Unfortunately for the world, David's father actually had started one of the top law firms in New York. So he, of course, had top-notch legal representation. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he was only charged with two counts of computer fraud and abuse. Nothing else. He was sentenced to house arrest. Essentially, he could serve out the term in a halfway home allowed to attend law school, and there were no restrictions on his internet use. 
so they don't charge him anything for the federal crimes that they have mm-hmm. substantial evidence for. And I love the fact that daddy got him in at Fordham University, which is his alma mater. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just fucking law. gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Fordham does find out about some of the other charges that mm-hmm. he wasn't brought up on, like the identity theft, the tickling. And they're like, thanks, but no, we don't want you representing us. We're going to pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have a neat summer. Sure. Yeah. So no more law school, but still very little ramifications, right? There's no repercussions for his actions. Very common in our legal and, system. And the the things that brought him to this are still going on the whole time. Like he may not have as much access to email or whatever, but he is still at this point, they've made a correlation between Terry DeSisto and David D'Amato, obviously from the zip pile. But Mm -hmm. even though Terry, Terry David could not email John or email David anything, he's writing. David Starr. Yeah. Um, Too many Davids. There are so many. Mr. Starr. Mm Mm-hmm working with Mr. Starr to get his tickle fix. He's writing old school letters. His justification was, oh, I got mono. I'm in the hospital. Uh, I don't have access to a computer, but I totally will give you the money when I feel better. Right. And they kind of show some of the journalists that we mentioned that that's how it was able to perpetuate during this time. Because you were thinking, mm-hmm. well, he's in a halfway house. Maybe there's no interwebs. But Man, he is still after it. And I think some of that time he actually had to serve in jail, right? I don't know that it was all served. I think yeah, he some did of it lose got revoked after Yeah. Right. So my question then is who was helping him? Because if you get a letter from the mail, mm-hmm. I have known people in jail. I've known people in prison. If you get a letter in the mail, it very specifically says where it came from. Right. So who does he have that he's writing a letter, sending it to someone else and then having them mail it or the handwriting was very nice and very feminine. So maybe someone else is writing letters for him. Oh, that could be. Well, I think that's the interesting thing about this whole whole to-do because David D'Amato, I don't know if we specified, but he's a vice principal of a high oh, school. Oh, yeah, he was at the time when he was arrested, yeah. So, I mean, a vice principal can make a livable wage, but not the kind where you're sending tons of kids fucking thousands of dollars. The funding of this is really quite staggering also when you really kind of think about adding it up. And they don't talk about like, was he selling these videos? Richard Ivey had a business around this. Right. Which they don't talk about in the David D'Amato part of it. The fact that it would cost a lot of money and it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be for profit in Uh hand, you're right. It seems to be personal collection or even Mm -hmm. when he puts it on the internet, it's, it's like, just leaks out on free sites, right? It's not like yeah. they're making profit yeah. from it. So they don't discuss that portion of it, if there was ever profit made from the videos. I think they do discuss yes. that they didn't see any profits being made from it directly. Yes. Now they do explain a little, at the end, they kind of figure out that piece of the puzzle, right? Like where that mm-hmm. money came yeah. from. They do follow the money, right? Yes. When you want to yes. find out someone, mm-hmm. they'll follow the money. But oh, it's yeah. interesting because they say in 2006, Terry Tickle disappears and oddly enough, that's when Jane O'Brien shows up mm-hmm. <laughs> shortly after. So coincidence? I think not. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and David and Dylan, this is David Ferrier, and Dylan post about what they've found so far. So David D'Amato starts in once again with the regular trope of, I have the lawyers and mm-hmm. I will ruin you. 
So again, that's something that is being drummed up in the background, trying to get them to stop their yeah, good works. Stop you know? everything. Yeah, yeah. David D'Amato's hiring lawyers to say, I'm not affiliated with, affiliated with Jane O'Brien. And Jane O'Brien is hiring lawyers to say, we're not affiliated with David D'Amato. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the language, the threatening language mm-hmm. of any of the letters that Terry Tickle sent, mm-hmm. it is very similar to the letter, at least the initial letters and emails that David Ferrier was getting from the Jane O'Brien media, right? So that's why they're like, oh, look at this. They look identical. Right. You don't need to be a forensic analysis or analyst to see that. Do you think, well, I mean, like, do you think there's just like a an every lawyer form letter that they're like, oh, here's, and here, in a doubt, use the cease and desist language. Um, I'm sure that there's some that's common, but it's so well, formulaic, right? Except for the poems written in the greeting cards, none of this is that creative. Right. It's it's middle school girl creative, <laughs> right? So even if they had stuck with the formulaic cease and desist letter that you can get off the internet, even back then, I'm pretty sure AOL had shit like that. Oh, yeah. They would not have been in this position. It would have been like, okay, we're done, right? Mm-hmm. But they were all like, you suck. You're poopy faith. Right. And yeah. it's, listen, we don't use that language as adults. We don't call people names to their face. So <laughs> come on now. It just, it just, none of it, none of it was okay, but it was the same exact horribleness between Terry Tickle and Jane O'Brien, right? So the whole thing screams, I'm a toddler. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my way. I'm mm-hmm. going to throw a big temper tantrum and you better watch out. And they threw a tantrum before there was anything to throw a yes. tantrum about. That's yeah. the problem. That mm-hmm. started this whole thing. And I would like to think that maybe someone would learn from that. Mm-hmm. Don't be so reactive when there's no need to be. And maybe yeah. you won't have to be in this situation. Just thinking out loud. Yeah. So they continue, even though they're still getting lawsuits mm-hmm. <laughs> thrown at them. David and Dylan continue. They they meet a gentleman named Jordan mm-hmm. Scalacci. If I slaughtered that Jordan, I apologize. In Muskegee, Michigan. Now, this town has high crime high poverty i mean Mm -hmm. he was discussing it's not just like a little bit of theft it was like theft rape murder it's a bit like gary indiana i assume or detroit even i was like oh muskegon i i wasn't aware that uh i mean i i assume that you just get like five miles into michigan and then everybody just does nothing but ice fishing i don't is that incorrect (laughs) i think so you have to go to the up for that there you go yeah so (laughs) But like my poor uh, connotation of a beautiful place. Um, and I'm just like, oh, it's all, you know, kind of pigeonholed up there for me. So Jordan is what they call a tickle recruiter, mm-hmm. right? They assume that, they assume, I assume, I, I'm David and Dylan assume that this area was targeted specifically for the crime and the poverty, right? So mm-hmm. Jane O'Brien could look at the demographics and say, listen, this town will do more for less money maybe right these people are susceptible to what i'm what i'm offering yeah (laughs) what i love is we're watching this and they show an octagon and a crowd and all i could think of is holy shit they've upped the tickle stakes (laughs) they're doing like shows now they're selling tickets right that is there's a theme song yeah right i would have been so much more impressed if that were the case it is not the case they just happened to have a lot of MMA in this town. And mm-hmm. so it was a proper MMA fight in an octagon. No tickling right. in the octagon, people. We're fine. Well, that's not what Jane says, though. She says, you know what you could do? 
Jordan, you could tickle somebody to get out of a hold. And he's like, um, only if I want to get punched in the face later, uh, that's not a, that's not going to be, that's not going to be looked upon in a favorable light. Right. And Jane's like, listen, I've looked at all the rules. Mm -hmm. This is not against the rules. You're safe to do this and make me happy. Just tickle to get out of a hold. (laughs) And I'm like, of course she fucking did say that. Of course. Well, it's like in rugby when you find out like, well, somebody tried to touch somebody's butthole. I mean, you ever hear those stories? Do you know what I'm talking no. about? Yeah, no. there's like rugby stories where they're like, well, somebody was getting awful fresh uh, with other players to like try to, and I'm like, yeah, this seems about maybe slightly less intimate, but nonetheless. No, I had not heard about that. I have heard about in football when they have like, when someone gets tackled and people just keep piling on. Yes. That they will, American football, that they will like, pinch and kick and bite and hit yes. and I'm like the person on the bottom I'm like fuck that yeah he's got the ball there's nothing you can do now you're just being a dick they're like yeah well you know fucking welcome to guys I guess I guess that goddamn Y chromosome anyway I guess mm-hmm. so what Jordan did kind of do though so they don't actually talk people into using tickling to get out of a hold in the octagon mm-hmm. they do film some videos so you know, they have, he's a recruiter, he gets the tickle peeps, and they go in like a hotel room, mm-hmm. and they record these videos, almost like it's, they're showing you MMA moves, and then they kind of talk, well, if you need to get out of it, you can do this, and yes. yeah, it's just, it's as, just uncomfortable as, it as it is in your voice, and you're like, oh, gross. Yeah, but he talked about the money involved. Like mm-hmm. he said, one kid who was underage, mm-hmm. he was offered a 2014 Chevy Cruze. So I'm guessing that was brand new at the time. This was mm-hmm. released in 2016, so it would have been, you know, about that time. Sure. In thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Listen, I'll be tickled for thirty thousand fucking dollars. <laughs> I got dog knees to buy. I mean, and Ooh. yeah, Asians and redheads were like premier and. All I can think of is if a redhead got $30,000 in a Chevy Cruze, what would a redheaded Asian get? I mean, they make some pretty solid hair dyes at this point, right? Right. I was just happy to hear that redheads are wanted somewhere because, you know, those little soul stealers don't get a lot of love. (laughs) Right. Right? Those little gingers. I'm glad to hear that they're getting some. Getting some some recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet baby gingers. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, they're getting a lot. I mean, they're getting 30 grand. But again, these videos, which were supposed to be for a private collection, somehow end up on the internet. Yeah, they just sneak their way right on there. We're all shocked, shocked, I say. Yeah, and you know, you kind of wonder, like, so if Jordan is the tickle recruiter, and they're being filmed, I want to say it's probably not as sophisticated where there's some kind of release form signed. I don't know that for certain. Right. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when kids are running stuff, I kind of feel like it's probably a little bit cash- you know, just throw some yeah. money at somebody, like they order a pizza or whatever, and that's about all of the yeah. Yeah, formality. Well, and you're, okay, and you're selling it a bit like a pyramid scheme, right? Like, listen, you only have to pay $50 up front, and then you get all this product, and you can sell it to others, <laughs> and you make millions of dollars, right? In the same way, they can be like, listen, we're just going to make one video. Here's $30,000 to make one 10-minute video. No mm-hmm. one's going to see it. It's for a private collection. Don't you fret. Look, this will pay for, you know, you to go to college. This will pay for clothes or food or mortgage or whatever. 
you're going to do it. How I would have done it. I'll do it now. What are you talking about? These kids <laughs> living in poverty. I would do it now. Look, don't tempt the, don't tempt the interwebs. They'll contact you and be like, put your money where your mouth is. sister." Listen, certainly right? I fit some fetish somewhere. <laughs> I'm just looking for that. Can I get in there? They want some, watch some woman eat some bread and butter. Like <laughs> really been on a sweet bread and butter kick. Um, and I'm like, <sighs> there are, there are men that that pay to eat large pay to eat large women that too probably <laughs> that's a whole different method to watch large women eat Ooh. and i'm like well i'm, I'm not that large but i mean it could I mean, be if god only in the me. greek don't rise you could be <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> much to your doctor's chagrin right you know but yes there you go so anyway, these videos go out on the interwebs and of course it ruins some of these kids' lives. Like like one of these kids, they're underage, right? They're 16, 17 years old. They're in high mm. school. And of course, even though there's nothing sexual about it, high school boys are the fucking worst, mm-hmm. period. So their life could be ruined, their family life. And it's not like they have the means to move while this cat does. But, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? What do you do? How do you fight back? You don't have the means to fight back. Yeah, and it occurred to me too, you know, we were talking when they first start talking to Jordan, he's talking about how this whole thing was being sold to him, right? So it's, well, you could use this, it's not an illegal move. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. really sophomoric. And this whole thing is extremely sophomoric. So I feel like the orchestrator of this seems to be about on a kid's level. Mm -hmm. And I think that has to have something to do with selling this whole thing and setting it up. Yeah, true. It's just gross, the whole thing. He talks about having tickle cells all over, like, the country and all over the world, all set up for Jane O'Brien Media. And that just, the amount of time and energy Mm -hmm. and money that has to be behind this. Well, I think even calling it tickle cells has to be on purpose, right? It sounds scary. It sounds like terrorist cells, yes. Yeah, Yeah. so it's like, it's got more gravitas than it really is. This is just some asshole somewhere who's paying kids to mm-hmm. naive children is really mm-hmm. what that's the only way this whole thing works is that you kind of get in good with the youths and then mm-hmm. eventually they wise up and they're like fuck off and that's yeah. what this is all about yeah so as these threats from D'Amato are hitting David Ferrier and Dylan a bit more and more the producers are starting to be like maybe we should back off a little, right? Like we might not have the money to support this. The fact that it took this long for producers to be like, maybe not. is impressive, really. Yeah. I think that might be the New Zealand mindset of, oh, they'll just go away or something. I don't know. I don't know. You know, and they don't talk about the specifics of these things. So, I mean, they probably have a lawyer that's kind of giving them advice in the background. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, you know, I think you've got a little time. I, you know, like, whoa, like maybe this one is a little bit more serious. This is getting right. real, y'all. So they don't back off, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because now we have mm-hmm. this lovely video. But they're trying to find out more about D'Amato, right? So D'Amato is clearly linked to this. And so they can't see that he's making any money from the videos either. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. How do you even afford this? There doesn't seem to be that many people as part of Jane O'Brien Media, just those three crackheads that flew down to New Zealand and this guy, yeah. right? So they decide to go to Garden City, New York. This is where D'Amato supposedly lives. Mm-hmm. And they kind of stake out his apartment again. I mean, he calls again. David Ferris is just so lovely. He calls and he's like, yeah, I would like to 
to speak to Mr. D'Amato. <laughs> and like, this is a big apartment building, right? Or condos or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they have a, a, I'm assuming a door person or a front. Yeah. Some kind of receptionist person. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, do you, do you know Mr. D'Amato? He's like, well, yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of him. They're like, are you a friend to Mr. D'Amato? He's like, oh no. <laughs> just, just trying to talk to him. And he's like, oh, right. Well, we can give him your number. Mm-hmm. To which David Fair is like, okay, sweet, thanks. You know, he's adorable. Mm-hmm. He really is. But they don't get in touch with him the direct way, although they did try. They, they again, kind of stake out the apartment. They know what kind of car he drives. They're just going to kind of watch and see if he leaves. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, they're talking to other people. They're trying to get more information about him. They call the law firm that his dad started. Now, his dad is deceased at this time. And so they're talking to, like, a receptionist. And they're like, we're trying to figure out what connection David D'Amato has with your law firm. And the woman's like, I can't talk to you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. But no, I can't do anything for you. And it seems like everybody that he, that David Ferrer talks to about David D'Amato is all like, listen, I can't tell you anything, mm-hmm. but stay away from him. This guy seems to have a pretty consistent effect on everybody. Like he's scary. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit out there. Right. Not really a seems to be a very balanced individual as far as what we're hearing from these reports. But they do end up finally talking to David D'Amato's stepmother. And she doesn't seem to have any problem dishing on on this cat. Like, he was Mm-mm. bullied in high school, and he was this. And I'm like, madam, who among us? Right. Um, right. You but know, this doesn't really give you a, a reason to be an asshole to everybody. But I get it, I guess. I don't know. The best part of that conversation is when David gets a hold of her. What's her name? Dorothy. When he gets a hold of Dorothy... <laughs> He's like, I would like to talk to you about David. And she's like, okay, what about him? David Ferrier goes, well, it's a, he's back into the tickling thing. <laughs> she's like, like he's a school counselor. You I know, know what I mean? Like <laughs> ratting you out to your mom. This I know. And Dorothy just sounds so disappointed. Oh no. Yeah. I thought he was done with that. She's like, when did it start again? And David's like, it never stopped, ma'am. <laughs> Dorothy. I know. <laughs> but, you know, she hasn't had any contact with him. She gives information just kind of about how he was and he was a kid and things mm-hmm. like that, but not much else, really. Right? I mean, yeah, that nothing really have... negative. Yeah, she mentions that he's never had a real girlfriend and some mm-hmm. things like that, which but, I mean, are any of us really surprised at this point? I'm like, no. we knew that. We saw the picture. We've seen his activities. No one's surprised by this. You didn't need to say that out loud, ma'am. Well, there's some hints along the way, because even Hal Karp back in the, you know, middle or so of the documentary, when he's talking about, he says that uh, David D'Amato as a vice principal has had eight jobs in 10 years. So you kind of get the feeling that he's maybe not the most responsible, yeah, of people. So they don't say why that he, I mean, it's not like for, you know, being shitty at your job or whatever. They don't say that, but he just kind of, all of these responses to him, like it's, it's confirming the character that you already knew. He's mm-hmm. just not that great of a human being. Right. So they do talk to David D'Amato. He does leave his house. Yeah. And he leaves his house for one thing and one thing only. Mm-hmm. And this I can appreciate because they caught him at the Starbucks. Right. Done in by a goddamn Starbucks run. Yeah. It'll get me every time. And again, this is before DoorDash, right? So I get it. You have to go out for those kinds of things. Right. But yeah, so he goes to get his coffee. And as he's walking back to his car, David Ferrier, again, is just, he walks up and he's like, hi, 
I am David Ferrier. We're currently in a legal right. kerfuffle. Litigation. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to think that maybe we could talk about this like adults. Can we just work this out? Mm-hmm. Mano a mano, right? Mm-hmm. David, the motto is like, no. I mean, he's just kind of a dick about it. Like, right, get a lawyer. I'm going to sue you. Get a lawyer. You know, it's just the same spiel right. that you get from him every time. Yeah. It's like the nicest man on the street, cheater style interview you've ever seen. It's, um, <laughs> you know, David D'Amato is walking back to his car. David Ferrier is right by the car door, not interfering with him shutting the door, but just almost like just enough proximity to be like, you know, we're going to deal with this. David D'Amato was like, well, I wasn't mad before, but now I'm super mad. You know, it's so, it's so silly. <laughs> Like, I'm going to sue you for this. And so is your face. Yeah. Yeah. And David Ferrier's just like, can we, can we just chat? Maybe just talk? Right. No, that's, that's not going to happen. So clearly they got nowhere. They tried, Mm -hmm. but they really still need that direct connection. There is Mm -hmm. no direct connection to Jane O'Brien yet. Right. They can make all of the allegations or kind of, you know, unsubstantiated connections like this mm-hmm. look similar to this, but they mm-hmm. don't have any smoking gun. Yep. So they go back to at the beginning when they were going down that tickle wormhole, there was a group called Nidoriston. And this group, which was owned by Jane O'Brien, had mm-hmm. like hundreds of tickle domain names, right? Mm-hmm. So they go back to kind of this whole Nidoriston group. They go online, they're kind of looking at it. And it turns out that in the process of changing servers to host their group websites, they made some things public that probably shouldn't have been public and they probably were definitely not aware of. Right. Yes, I said probably definitely. Anyway, so this folder has hundreds of personal files. It has all the documents for Jane O'Brien, Debbie Kuhn. It had everything connecting them to D'Amato. It had all of this stuff, financial stuff, stuff. yeah. D'Amato's financial stuff, like bank accounts for D'Amato, which showed that he had a trust that was set up by his father that paid for all of his living expenses, right? Mm -hmm. And he also had over $5 million in a bank account that essentially was given to him by his mom when she died. Mm -hmm. So that's where the money's coming from. He has the money to fund this kind of stuff because he's not paying for the living expenses. He has this other, you know, disposable income. Mm -hmm. So now they have that direct connection. I still come back to you though with six, $7 million. This is the kind of money they're hinting around about is not infinite money. You know what I mean? So I agree. If you have these tickle cells all over the country and world, how are you funding them? If you're not making money from the videos you're creating. Right. I mean, like I said, it's not Bruce Wayne level money. It's not, you know what I right. mean? Like, I don't know. I just like, there's, there's a fine out amount. Like, I don't know. They don't talk about investments there. There could be something there, but I was just like, huh, that seems like. I was expecting, right. I was you expecting know? Bezos level kind of <laughs> yeah. money. Right. Yeah. I mean, I will take six or $7 million and see how far I can go with it. Right. If you, if anybody's interested in taking me up on that, right? Like, Is it like Brewster's Millions? I can totally <laughs> play that game. <laughs> I'm not running for office though. Too many very boring skeletons, right? Like yeah. nothing that interesting. 
In this day and age, nothing I've done is very shocking either. Like back in the day, they'd have been like, oh, my goodness, my pearls. But now they're like, meh, whatever. It's all out there now. Good times. So our documentarians, David and Dylan, go and talk to Romeo Salta. He's the lawyer from the beginning, wrote the original Mm -hmm. cease and desist and apparently a ton of other letters telling them they're being sued and all of this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So they go in to talk to this lawyer because his address is being used as like Jane O'Brien media headquarters address and things like that. Mm -hmm. And shock and awe, he only wrote the first letter and nothing else. Like he is not affiliated with these people. Mm -hmm. He was not aware they're using his address. Right. The look on his face is just like, how the fuck could this have happened to me? Right. Right. I'm a lawyer. (laughs) Represented porn stars. How dare you? Yeah. It's just one of those things that blow my mind that if you're going to use someone's address, if you're going to use these things of someone else without them knowing, maybe don't pick a lawyer that's fairly well known. Right. right? The audacity of this is. Right. Yeah. It's very impressive, but that's how this whole thing has gone. It's just sort of the worst perversion of fortune favors the bold, right? Like it's just, he just really goes for it. And it's proof that so far, everything in this documentary Everything that has come from Terry Tickle, Jane O'Brien, has been fake. Yeah. Right? Everything has been fake. All the letters have been fake. All of the lawsuits have been fake. All of these things are not real. Mm -hmm. They just are empty threats. Because like you said, it has worked thus far. Right. Right. These tactics have worked and people shut up and moved on because they didn't have a means to fight back. Right. And it's scary and that's mm-hmm. the point he knew mm-hmm. that this would work because people are scared of the legal system and they're scared of their reputations getting ruined because people care what people think and i get it you know if mm-hmm. you i mean tj said it best when he's like look i've lost out on job opportunities and you know people threatening your family that's pretty fucking scary so right. um, i can imagine that that cooled a lot of people mm-hmm. in the tracks you know just like okay i guess we're done i'm just gonna like lay low and let it blow over right Yeah. Let Mm -hmm. them continue doing what they're doing. If it doesn't affect me, fuck it. Yeah. And I get that. Mm -hmm. You would like no one else to be caught up in this bullshit, but not at the expense of yourself, right? It's self-preservation. Yeah. I mean, and I think most people are willing to fight up to a degree, but again, it just, it gets to the point where you, you know, it's long-term and it's horrible. And I don't think people really handle those things well. I know I certainly wouldn't. Mm -hmm. No. Oh, I'd be the worst prisoner where I'd crumble (laughs) immediately. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you everything you want to know. This is the right. president's shoe size. <laughs> uh, I would just start making shit up, honestly. I don't even know. Like the kid in Goonies who's like, and in second grade, I cheated on a test. Yes. <laughs> chunk. That is me. Oh, chunk philosophy. Chunk. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> so th- this is kind of where where the documentary mm-hmm. ends, right? I mean, they kind of come to terms with the fact that, okay, Terry is David D'Amato is Jane O'Brien, right? Right. And Everything that they've been sending out thus far has been fucking fake. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all of the threats in that, they say kind of something that I said earlier is, is it even about tickling? Is it more about power? Is it more about control? Is it more about harassment? Sure. Is this someone who has had no control in their own life then targeting other people just to feel like they can get that somewhere else? Yeah. Right? It's kind of anticlimactic when it ends. It is because you, you know, you kind of want this douchebag data to come up and right? Mm-hmm. But that's not really how it goes down. It doesn't. They just mm-hmm. kind of wrap it up saying, eh? 
yeah, he's exposed. Yeah. And that's worked in their favor because some of the threats and stuff quit after he was caught on Mm -hmm. camera. Yes. But there was a follow-up. Yep. It was a follow-up video called The Tickle King. I originally read it as The Tickling, which sounds more like a horror film. Um, (laughs) It does sound terrifying, let's be honest. Right. So The Tickle King was on YouTube. It was about 20 minutes long. And it just kind of follows some of the things that happen when David Ferrier and Dylan Reeve are releasing this, right? So they are releasing it on the the like the independent film circuit, like they go to Sundance and things like that, right? So they're showing the video in the US and things like at the Sundance premiere, they have someone in the screening who's just furiously writing notes, right? Or like, is this a lawyer? Is this, who is this? The police come and just kind of keep an eye on what's going on to make sure other people don't come in because they're, they're not sure what kind of threats they're going to get. They also don't want anyone filming it, right? Bootlegging it. They go to the Morrison Film Festival where our best friend, Kevin Clark, and ah, Marco Polo. are there, but not not our meth head. He's not you knew that it had to be said, right? What? Marco Polo. It had right. to be said. It did. I just can't let a, an obvious joke go. No. it's Nothing's beneath us, really. <laughs> but they went to, these two went to like all the screenings at this festival, and the police remove them from the screening at one point. They, they removed two people, not Kevin and Marco, which they thought originally it was, but it wasn't. They're two private detectives that are in the theater and it looks like they're filming the, the movie. So mm-hmm. they get removed because you can't bootleg. And it, this was up to the festival security. This was not up to Dave and Adele. And they're not like, get them out, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just not their way. They get lawsuits served to them in Missouri and in Utah, which those film festivals take place. They are being sued for defamation, emotional distress, and invasion of privacy. Hmm. Ironic. Yeah, right. D'Amato sued his stepmother for $40 million for talking, essentially, for taking a phone call. Sure. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. The DA in Nassau County, where D'Amato lives, talked to David and Dylan because they would like more information. So they're talking to people, trying to see what they can get on him. But mm-hmm. after David Dillon talked to the DA with their lawyer and everything, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like anything's going to move forward, right? They're all excited at first thinking maybe something will happen and then nothing. Mm-hmm. Kevin starts a media campaign to kind of take down Tickled, right? How it's horrible. He creates a website to kind of discredit the film. He has Jordan, our MMA recruiter from not recruiter our mma fighter tickle recruiter person from michigan he comes on and essentially takes back everything he said in the the Mm -hmm. documentary like this is not true none of this happened blah 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 right and again it's kind of like how much one did they pay you for that or were you being threatened your family was in the original documentary right yeah Mm -hmm. right both lawsuits are withdrawn because they challenged jurisdiction. So those two lawsuits, the Utah and the, did I say Minnesota, Missouri? Sure. sure. One of the M states. <laughs> They're in there. Don't come to us for details. It's fine. <laughs> no, no. Right? I'm not here for perfection. Mm-hmm. The best part of this entire 20 minute thing is for the tickled premiere in LA, Dylan goes to LA and David goes to New York. Mm-hmm. Right. So they divide and conquer. In L.A., Clevin, Clevin Clark, that's going to be his new fucking name, I swear to God. <laughs> Kevin Clark shows up, and he's like, 
in the like they're in like the the front area with like the concessions and that and Kevin's talking to him and just wants to make sure no one thinks so Jane O'Brien is part of it and blah 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 and just you know the same shit right falling out of his face and you know they're not associated Jane O'Brien is not associated with the motto right that being said we know Kevin is associated with Jane O'Brien and when we go into the theater we see that Kevin is sitting with D'Amato, but they're not associated. I just want you to know they're not associated. <laughs> but they're, they're totally besties now, right? Like super close. Right. Mm-hmm. They have a common enemy, right? So, yeah. but D'Amato is there and he speaks. And he, this is where I think Dylan shines because he doesn't really mm-hmm. talk during the original documentary that much, but this mm-hmm. one, he shines because he is so composed right. and so soft-spoken. He's like, listen, mm-hmm. I would love to talk to you. Come up. After the movie, they have like a panel and he was going to mm-hmm. talk. He's like, come up and talk with us. I would love for you to be up here. Right. right? It wasn't like, no, you suck. And Mata's like, no, you know, I hope you enjoy all this fame now because it's not going to last because I'm suing the fuck out of you, essentially. Right. that's all he can say yeah that's his he's a one-trick pony Mm -hmm. right and the best part is that at one point they're in the theater it's a private theater and (laughs) damato's like you're filming me you can't film me per statute Statute, yada 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 yeah five five two two echo alpha and (laughs) dylan's like that's a local statute doesn't apply here this is a private establishment we've already got permission to film like he owned him in his own fucking court. And I'm like, I love you for that, Dylan. I'm not going to take you away from your wife. You have a lovely family, but I right. love you a little bit mm-hmm. for that. That's a fucking baller move right there. And he's so calm about it. He's yeah. not like, he didn't drop the mic or anything that I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. I mean, and Damano uses the same shit. He just sits there and eats popcorn like a creep. I mean, everything he does is so smarmy to me. It's just gross. But the PIs that were at the other filming were there and they're outside after the showing. And D'Amato is just going off about how he can't believe anyone would think this was homosexual. Everything is straight. Everything, you know, homosexuality is the devil and you're all going to burn in hail, hail, hail. (laughs) And essentially that's what he's going off about, how you're disgusting. And again, like you said, it's very much like, most people who say that that loudly that often are gay, right? Well, I mean, like, again, we've talked about there's no kink shame here. Mm-mm. Like, what you like, my man? Like, nobody's getting hurt in this. I mean, other than, like, when they leave and they want to out. I mean, but yeah, uh, there was probably some question about age and some of that. Like, who mm-hmm. could give consent? Legal consenting um, adults. Everyone's cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is not a pain thing or whatever. So I, I don't know, even if it was, is that wrong? I don't know. No. But I just think it's really funny that it's just like, look, man, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Nobody's freaking out about that. That's the least controversial part of all this whole thing, in my opinion. Right. But that was their biggest thing was you will not talk about this because you're gay and it will be portrayed as gay. Whereas in my opinion, when I see it, it looks like a fucking prerequisite. Yeah. I mean, do what you do. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just the 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 fact that they're trying to sell it as a heterosexual thing when there is not a woman anywhere in this thing except for maybe mm-hmm. the tryouts yeah. part of it. There was a lady that was doing that, and yeah. I assume that that's just because she had the most amazing nails. Yes, and the tannest skin I've ever <laughs> seen on a white person. She probably has melanoma now, and ma'am, please make sure you get your skin checked. Right. It's the sun. The sun is good, but not that good. Right. 
So they kind of close up saying since 2016, they really hadn't seen any of these films online. So they were hoping that maybe he had mm-hmm. quit his shit. But as yeah. we know, addicts aren't really good about quitting their shit. Mm-hmm. So it appears that in 2017, they started seeing these pop up again. So it didn't last long before he had to get his fix again. Yeah, I mean, maybe there'll be some good that comes out of it. Maybe there'll be less horrible consequences for people that have been a part of it. I mean, that's really the only Disney conclusion I can give you for that. <laughs> the Disney conclusion. Maybe if he takes on another female name, because for some reason he likes to play. Maybe he's trans deep down, but he thinks it's dirty and doesn't want to be Train. I, I mean, know what it I mean? just makes me sad. I don't know why it's right. uh, why it has to. I mean, whatever reason, it makes him more comfortable to have this under a woman's name. Mm-hmm. I, I suggest Bonnie. That seems like Bonnie's a fun a name. That is a great name. That yeah. is a great name. Mm-hmm. I hope someday he can come to terms with whoever he is mm-hmm. and live his best life without yeah. hurting other people in the process. If he can start a new company and maybe, much like Richard Ivy, just make money off of it. And make sure everyone is on the up and up and just actually do it in a legit way. Yeah. Or have but a I don't private collection he's... as this is what yeah. it was sold for. I mean. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like that was really what it was intended for. I know. I know. Um, well, that's the duping of getting mm-hmm. people in there and, and to be a part of it. So right. I don't know. Yep. So that's it. That's the that's the wrap up. They did give some wrap up. So that's good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, D'Amato seems like a smarmy ass person, as does Kevin. Ugh, both gross old white men but hopefully again he can come to terms with the what makes him happy and and do that without hurting other people yep nothing yeah. i mean like i said it's disown it my man mm-hmm. and my other takeaway is i will watch anything david Ferrer or dilly marie puts out in the future <laughs> That's i'm right. a forever fan and uh maybe we'll get an exclusive with one of them i mean i would be i mean if they were on the show would that not be the I best think, of presents. Oh my goodness. Please, please, please. We have to fly down to do that interview in person. I'm just saying that's the only way to do it properly. Yeah. In the airport. If he makes me a sign, I will be like, you know, I know. The girliest I, moment. Mm-hmm. I will fan you girl. Can, you can film me. That's fine. I mean, no one mm-hmm. wants to see it, but I don't give a shit. Look, I'll be nervous and start dancing. That's just how I do. <laughs> and then throw a hip out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not above it. Mm-mm. All right. So yeah, okay. everyone, if you haven't watched it, go watch it and then watch everything else David Ferrier has done. Yeah. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, let's talk about next week. Uh, we have a gem for you. Behind the Curve is the uh, selection. It was put out in 2018, running about an hour and a half on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And this is about flat earthers people. So mm-hmm. my science brain already hurts. It already hurts. But <laughs> you know what? I will make this sacrifice for you yeah let's do our research before we pass judgment and then we will Mm -hmm. judge so fucking hard so come and comment ask questions educate doc yourself on instagram and twitter rate review and subscribe as we would like to get out to more people as we are having Mm -hmm. such a fun time with this Mm -hmm. and getting some good reviews of people that watch the documentaries and then listen to the show we're having a good time with that so yeah Mm -hmm. yep watch them ahead of time and then follow along it's like playing Mm -hmm. along right yeah. And you can yell at stuff with us. It's super fun that way. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and let us know if we missed anything that really pissed you yeah, off. In the yeah. <laughs> That's true. As we've said, we're trying to get the details right, but certainly we've missed a thing here and there. Oh God. So much stuff. I'm sure. All right, boys and girls, let's, let's be nice. Let's not sue people for the sake of suing people. I know mm-hmm. it's America. 
most of this is being listened to in America and there we are so so happy but let's not let's not let's be better we don't have to be that way yeah let's put the past behind us as it is getting ready to roll over to a new year thank you very much yes yes so be better in the new year and we'll see you then all right later bye